0: Hey guys and welcome to a new episode. We'll start with quick random questions and again please subscribe, comment and share so others would benefit. Let's do a review from yesterday about the hallmark of rheumatoid arthropathy on imaging. Key thing is to know this is a non-bone forming arthropathy so what we see is periarticular osteopenia, soft tissue swelling, Marginal erosions, particularly at the bare area, soft tissue swelling as we mentioned previously, and symmetric joint space narrowing and joint subluxation. Again, periarticular osteopenia, marginal erosions, soft tissue swelling, symmetric joint space swelling, and joint space sublux joint subluxation. Image features of celiac disease or sprue gluten sensitive enteropathy. The primary site of involvement for celiac disease is the duodenum and jejunum. And the key imaging features is the reversal of jejunal and ileal fold patterns. Because we said the duodenum and jejunum is involved, the jejunum loses its ability to absorb fluid. So what we see is loss of jejunal folds and more folding in the ileal ileum in order to compensate for the lost observative ability of the jejunum. On CT scan, we'll see Uh, fluid fluctuation of contrast within the small bowel. We can see small bowel to small bowel intussusception. This is due to uncoordinated peristalsis. We can additionally see pneumatosis intestinalis, which here is a benign process and not associated with bowel ischemia. We'll see splenic atrophy. And finally, celiac disease is associated with small bowel T-cell lymphoma. Again, we know it's an autoimmune process. So, S- splenic atrophy and T-cell lymphoma is not surprising. Again, it typically involves the duodenum and jejunum, and we lose the observative abilities of the jejunum, where we see reversal of the jejunal and ileal folds, meaning typically we'll have more folds in the jejunum than the ileum, but during celiac disease, we'll start seeing more infolding of the ileum than the jejunum imaging features of oligodendroglioma so on a CT scan what we see is a hypoattenuating mass with coarse calcification. Even though that we have a mass with calcification, there would, be, there would be not significant surrounding edema, which indicate that this is a slow-growing lesion. Again, oligodendroglioma on a CT scan will see a hypoattenuating mass with coarse calcification and minimal surrounding edema, which indicates this is a slow process. If there is a lot of edema that would include an aggressive process. Another review from yesterday. Fluid-fluid level on bone MRI is associated with, we said four things, simple bone cyst or unicameral bone cyst, an aneurysmal bone cyst, giant cell tumor, and telangiectatic osteosarcoma. Again, fluid-fluid level on bone MRI is seen in simple bone cyst or unicameral bone cyst. This is the same thing. Aneurysmal bone cyst, giant cell tumor, and telangiectatic osteosarcoma. Imaging features of molar or partial molar pregnancy on ultrasound, we see the key thing is an empty, irregular gestational sac. So gestational sac, typically oval or round. Here we see an irregular gestational sac with multiple indentation. The placenta would be irregular with cystic components. Again, partial molar pregnancy will present with irregular and empty gestational sac. And the placenta would be filled with cystic components not a lot of cystic component but there would be cystic components in the placenta what is page kidney page kidney is mm-hmm. extrinsic compression of the kidney by a subcapsular collection which can be due to a hematoma seroma or a urinoma typically a hematoma in the setting of a trauma this can cause systemic hypertension again Systemic hypertension due to secondary compression of the kidney by a subcapsular collection page kidney. Gene mutation associated with oligodendroglioma. It is associated with 1P19Q deletion. Again, 1P19Q deletion is seen in oligodendroglioma. This is the lesion that we previously described as a slow cortical growing mass, typically in the frontal lobe. And a young patient with calcification we can see calcifications up to 75 percent of the time and this may present with seizures again oligodendroglioma slow growing cortical mass typically involving the frontal lobe in a young to middle age patient may present with seizures can calcify up to 75 percent of the time and is associated with 1p19q deletion teflitis or neutropenic enterocolitis imaging feature so this is typically Uh, right-sided colitis seen in immunocompromised patient after stem cell transplant or liver transplant and presents with colitis of the ascending colon and the cecum. So circumferential wall uh, thickening, enhancement, and uh, fluid around the colon are all classic features of colitis. Tephylitis or neurodegenerative neutropenic enterocolitis, specifically in immunosuppressed patients in the right side of the colon, and the treatment for it is broad-spectrum antibiotics and antifungal medication. What is the lateral resolution of ultrasound? So, ultrasound probe has is a three-dimensional probe, and because it's three-dimensional, we have three dimensions of resolution. We have the axial resolution, which is the resolution parallel in the direction of the ultrasound beam, meaning this is related to the depth. We have lateral resolution. This is the resolution perpendicular to the ultrasound beam within the same plane. And finally, elevational resolution, which describes Uh, finding related to the probe thickness so if you imagine the probe the thickness of the probe defines the elevational resolution forget about that we're talking about lateral resolution now if you look at the probe the length of the probe parallel to it is the axial resolution which is the ability to distinguish between two points at different depth forget about that. We're focusing at the lateral resolution. Lateral resolution is the ability to distinguish between two points perpendicular to the direction of the ultrasound beam. Another name for the lateral resolution is the azimuthal resolution. Just to make things more confusing, again, azimuth of resolution describes the lateral resolution. Lateral resolution is affected by the width of the beam and the depth of imaging. Wider beam typically diverges further as it gets further away from the ultrasound and so the further it diverges at greater depth that decreases the lateral resolution again the deeper or the wider the beam is the less the resolution and the deeper we go the less the resolution which means thin wave and superficial wave have the best ultrasound resolution in terms of the lateral resolution again Three types of ultrasound resolutions. We have axial resolution, ability to distinguish between two points at a two different depths. Lateral and elevational resolution refers to resolution at the same depth but different planes. Elevational resolution, consider the resolution along the probe thickness or the Z-plane and the lateral resolution is the additional plane. So if the axial resolution in the y-axis, lateral resolution would be in the x-axis, and elevational resolution would be in the z-axis. And finally, lateral resolution is the same thing as azimuthal resolution. Continuing with physics theme, what is the pitch in CT scan? So pitch basically refers to the speed that the table moves in. Speed of 1 is a standard. Pitch or speed greater than 1, meaning speed faster than 1, will skip areas of the scan and decrease the exposure. Pitch less than 1 will overscan the patient, which will lead to increase in radiation exposure. Now, the benefit of faster pitch or pitch greater than one is as we said decreased exposure the downside of it there is less overlap between planes that are scanned and so we can get stair step artifact if we over scan we'll get a better resolution the downside is increased exposure to the patient if you think of pitch as the speed of the table you'll be very good take a baseline as one With one, we're scanning optimally. We're not skipping areas and we're not over scanning slower speed, meaning the beam or the CT scan will rotate more than once and it will over scan the patient. If the table is too fast, the patient is going to move before we complete a full circle around the patient and we will skip areas, but we will decrease radiation exposure to the patient types of spinal dysraphism. So we have closed dysraphism and open dysraphism. Closed dysraphism describe describe finding associated where the neural tissue is covered by skin. We have lipomyelomeningocele and lipomyelocele. And open dysraphism where the neural tissue is exposed or we see nerves. And the types that are included in open dysraphism are myelocele and myelomeningocele. So anything that begins with the word lipo so lipomyelomeningocele and lipomyelocele is covered by fat lipo and mylocele or mylo which mild refers to nerves myloceles or myelomeningoceles that refers to open dysraphism where neural tissue is exposed inflammatory bowel disease arthritis this is spondyloarthropathy, similar to ankylosing spondylitis. Both of them have very clinical similar features in terms of skeletal involvement with both keithing have symmetrical sacroiliitis. So both ankylosing spondylitis and inflammatory bowel disease arthritis or arthropathy have symmetrical sacroiliitis. Notice both of them begin with a vowel, I and ankylosing spondylitis. So I in IBD, arthropathy and A in ankylosing Spondyli- uh, spondylitis. Both have symmetrical sacroiliitis. This is typically seen in patients with ulcerative colitis or Crohn's, so the classic inflammatory bowel disease can also be seen with Whipple's disease patient and patient who are status post-gastric bypass. So again, we said inflammatory bowel disease and enclosing spondylitis have symmetrical sacroiliitis, all right? So what is the asymmetrical sacroiliitis seen in? It's seen in psoriasis, And it is also seen reactive arthritis. Again, reactive arthritis and psoriasis, they do not start with vowels, and both of them have asymmetrical sacroiliitis. IBD and ankylosing spondylitis both start with vowels, and they have symmetrical sacroiliitis. The main pancreatic duct empties into the duodenum as Worsong duct again the main pancreatic duct empties into the duodenum as the duct of Worsong. this is opposed to the duct of santorini which is the accessory pancreatic duct again accessory pancreatic duct in a standard anatomy is the duct of santorini and it opens to the duodenum and at the minor papilla the main pancreatic duct or the duct of Worsong opens at the major papilla Santorini is really a small island, beautiful island, uh, one of the uh, Greek islands. Small island, so that's how I remember it. Santorini is a small island, so minor pancreatic duct empties at the minor papilla, and it's the duct of Santorini. Review from a couple of episodes ago. CT scan shows perihilar, lobular, ground glass, opacities with multiple small cysts. What's the diagnosis? You should immediately think of PCP or pneumocystis pneumonia. They can tell you the story where they're immunocompromised, but given that they said ground glass opacities, perihilar distribution with cyst, then immediately we know it's going to be uh, PCP. If they did not give us the cyst and they just mentioned perihilar uh, ground glass opacities and interstitial uh, septal thickening, then what we want to think of and also consider is alveolar proteinosis or pulmonary alveolar proteinosis. Imaging features seen in endolymphatic sac tumor, ELSD again. Imaging features of endolymphatic sac tumor. Typically, the tumor is centered posterior to the temporal bone, classically retrolabyrinthine location between the IAC and the sigmoid sinus. IAC is the internal auditory canal, and classic imaging feature on a CT scan is permeative bone destruction. Again, labyrinthine location, permeative bone destruction is classic or easy finding for endolymphatic sac tumor. It has really characteristic CT appearance, so it's important to at least look at it once. Let's end with the endolymphatic sac tumor, and we'll pick it up tomorrow with uh, idiopathic anestitial pneumonias if you're excited about that.